0: When I was an army chaplain, my soldiers asked me all kinds of questions about God, life, relationships, the Bible, and I answered them as best I could from stuff that was rattling around inside my head and from what I know of my relationship with Jesus. And they also called me Padre. Welcome to the Dear Padre podcast, where I try to take the questions of the day. And the the question of the day today is, why were there so many demons running around in the world of Jesus Why so many demons? It seems like there's a demon on every page, whereas um, you really don't see in the other parts of the Bible, like the Old Testament, so many demons. I mean, there's demons everywhere, every story. And here on today's lesson in Mark, chapter one, which I'll be preaching on this morning, is all about these demons that are being cast out by Jesus. But the story starts... Uh, Right after Jesus leaves the synagogue in Capernaum, you can go to the archaeological ruins. Actually, I hardly call them ruins. They are quite substantial. In Capernaum today, you can see the synagogue uh, where Jesus likely preached at and taught at. And you can walk down the street and to Peter's Peter's mother-in-law's house. Mother-in-law is like sergeant's major. Um, <clears throat> you pronounce the um, plural there, but not the possessive. And where Jesus walked after his time in the synagogue with his disciples. And he goes to Simon um, Peter's house. His mother-in-law is in bed with a fever. Now, um, people in the ancient world in Jesus' day knew what a fever was. When your head gets really hot, your body gets hot, you have chills, um Fevers don't seem to have changed much over the 2,000 years. If you've had a fever, you know, um, even folk remedies like feed a cold, starve a fever, probably go back to this time. And a fever was a sign that something was really, really wrong. Um, For most of us today, we know that we are hopefully within reach of some kind of medical care, especially if we're having a life-threatening illness, but in those days, you pretty much hoped that you would get better. You hoped that somehow some of the folk remedies that you had would get you better. If they didn't, you might be able to pay a healer or physician, but they were extremely expensive and likely would not result in much, um, result in in really any recovery because the physicians ultimately didn't really care about you. Um, We know this from numerous stories in the Bible and elsewhere in this time period, that it wasn't like they would sit there and nurse you. Um, And so, so many diseases of the ancient world did get better with just good nursing care, but that was really hard to find, especially for this woman who is the mother-in-law. She's the mother of the house. She runs the house. She is responsible for everyone's life and health and food. And so, she is the caregiver that now has no caregiver. And so, Jesus sees this, comes over, takes her by the hand lifts her up and suddenly the fever leaves here. this miraculous healing happens and then she goes about serving them she becomes a deacon to them if you will and then by that evening everyone hears about this and people come from all around with sick uh, who are sick with various diseases they cast out many they cast out many demons Jesus cast out many demons it sounds like a super spreader event for sure um, all these sick people gathering it Peter's mother-in-law's house, and Jesus, it says, doesn't let the demons speak because they knew him. Um, here we have the, another like description of what this kind of exorcism is like. Uh, to exorcise, to cast out a demon is something that Jesus does quite often. <clears throat> we know from some of the descriptions of symptoms of demonically possessed people in the New Testament that it was usually hallmarked by self-destruction. We have the man in the tombs who's cutting himself. They put chains on him. He broke the change, chains. He's isolated. So he's self-destructive. He's, he's isolated. There's another story of a boy who's throwing himself into the fire constantly. Uh, I think even the way we use the word demons today in, our, in the parlance of our times is that uh, our demons are part of our self-destruction, certainly with drug abuse And misuse and overuse and alcohol misuse comes with that sort of demonic imagery that we sort of can't help our own self-destruction. We can't seem to reverse it. We can't seem to stop it. It seems to have a power over us that even our willpower cannot break. And so Jesus doesn't let the demons speak. He doesn't give them a platform. He doesn't let them give their side of the story. When you're dealing with a demonic, you don't let them have their side of the story you have all their side of the story is all of human history, all the human misery, all the suffering, all the pain, all the death. That is their side of the story. But Jesus' side of the story is that people can find freedom from that kind of demonization, of that kind of possession, that kind of inability to stop their own self-destruction. The teachings of Jesus center on three kinds of temptations in his own temptation. You have three really different, but very similar temptations hitting him. Um, some have categorized this, um, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. Um, some have also categorized these three kinds of tempters as the world, the flesh and the devil. So the world is those systems that, um, that we want to participate in that give us power, but are, but are destructive to other people and often to ourselves. Uh, worldliness is that desire to be in the inner circle, to sort of be in the know, to have power and authority and influence, um, often in way, and we get it in any way we can. And So this is sort of the gangster, um, sin, if you will, but it, it works its way out in much more subtle ways in all of our circles. If you ever, um, if you've ever been in sort of a petty spat with a friend, you've seen like three buddies, you know, I'll see three buddies of mine. And it seems like two of them have a much closer relationship than I do with that friend. And I get jealous and I want to be on the inside. So I work really hard to get closer to the friend that I think is really cool. And you see, this is, this is the worldliness that, that our status comes from the honors given us from other people. The flesh is hopefully obvious that... We have bodily desires, sexual urges. We have gluttonous appetites. We have, um, all sorts of needs for comfort and safety that we often will take shortcuts in life to get. We will, um, in our desire for, for sex, we lie to someone about, um, about our commitment to that relationship in our desire for, for food, um, it's hard to in America. It's really hard to see how this works out, in that in that we rarely have to steal food uh, to to get it. But our appetites do drive us. Um, our appetite for alcohol, for food, for for comfort, safety, um, all the things that we do to keep our flesh safe, um, which often, um, you know, I think at a very basic level, our inability to care. You know, when your kid, if you have kids says, can I have another glass of lemonade? And you've already gotten him too. And you're laying there and you don't want to get up. The flesh, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And you get up and you get him the lemonade because even though he probably could get it himself, um, he's not quite at the age where he can just pour drinks for himself. And so, you know, my flesh need for comfort, uh, is struggling. It makes me a, a worse father in the sense of not giving my kid something that he's asking for. And so that then, the, then the, um, the world, the flesh, and the devil. We get to the devil. This is what Jesus is dealing with this realm, uh, the devil um, and his demons, which seem to have a way of getting inside people's lives. They need a place to go. They're looking for that empty space to fill. And so Uh, Jesus casts these demons out. He doesn't let them speak. And then he goes out to his deserted place and he prays. You will not be able to deal with the demons of your life unless you go to a deserted place and pray. Jesus makes this very clear that some demons only come out by prayer and fasting. And he lived this in his own life. He gets up while it's dark. He goes and prays in this deserted place. He's praying that the power of God will be strong stronger than the powers of evil. Uh, and everyone's looking for him. but he still goes around proclaiming this message, this good news, the inbreaking of the kingdom that all is forgiven, all can come home, all can be part of this covenant, that everyone is included in God's embrace every single person, even if they've got demons because God will deal with the demons. Come to God today. Don't worry that you're uh, too too far gone. There are second chances, fifth chances, hundred chances in God's kingdom. And Jesus was proclaiming that. Ultimately, Jesus destroys the demons on the cross as they gather around him to mock him, to spit on him, to berate him, to see that finally they have won. They have killed the son of God and they have won and they triumph greatly. But in his death, death dies. And then in his rising from the dead, he proves that it is the victory of God over the demonic world that breaks those chains forever. And so we claim that if you're struggling with demons today, those things in your life that cause self-destruction, claim the power of the cross It's often parodied in films like The Exorcist, which I've never seen. I have no interest in seeing stuff that I've felt in real life. I haven't really seen it that way, but I've felt stuff like this in real life. And I think it's not good to talk about stories of exorcism uh, on Maine because it attracts. It it forms an empty space that demons like to fill. But the idea of holding up a cross in front of a demon and, and the demon runs away. This is certainly from this imagery of Jesus defeating death on the cross. The Death of Death and the Death of Christ is an old Puritan book that I love the title. The Death of Death and the Death of Christ. It's real. He did it for you, for me. And it's happening right now. The demons in your life are running away. Don't let them speak to you. Tell them to shut up, hold the cross up, and move on with your life. Amen.